Hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. I'm Christine here with Nate. Hello. And Sung. Yo, yo. And we are continuing in our series, Things We Wish We'd Known. Um, so, yeah, uh, Sung, we've been kind of shifting around. What are we What are we talking about? I was stuck in traffic. Wow. <laughs> so we weren't sure whether Nate was going to make it to the studio this mm-hmm. morning. So I said to Christine, if Nate doesn't show up, I have an alternative plan. And then right then he showed up. Boom. In that very moment. So the plan was, well, uh, we've been talking about marriage, like things I wish I knew. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to put you on the spot because you have so much experience, Christine. <laughs> so I thought, well, gosh, you know what, what Christine does have a lot of experience with, not only um, professionally, but also she's the closest to that this stage of life than Nate and I, I are. Uh, B. B. (laughs) I B. (laughs) Nate and I B. So we thought things I wish I knew when I was in high school. There are a lot of those. We could go junior high, but no, No. just (laughs) high school seems like a a, a good age to talk about um, things I wish I knew. Mm. So, uh, well, since Nate's here, like, well, he's just going to join the party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I have, um, I have three high schoolers. Oh, that's right. So I have some thoughts as well. I, I guess my oldest is uh, technically in her gap year, yeah. so but she's not in college. Close yeah. enough. Yeah, close. Enough. So this is kind of like a subtle message to his kids. That's right. Listen <laughs> yeah. up, youngins. Things I wish you knew That's when right. you were in high school. Things I've told you, but you haven't listened. <laughs> well, to. and you know what's going to happen? Christine's going to say something, and they're going to be like, "Dad, Dad, oh you know God. what? Christine said this," and you're going to be like, "How many years have been have I been telling you that?" Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, well, here we go then. Things I wish I knew in high school. In high school, yeah. What do you got, Christine? Yeah, I mean, there are a a lot of things that come to mind. Um, so I'm trying to sort through to the the best ones. I will start with one. Yeah, go ahead. One of the things that I have said to my kids, and actually, this is literally because I wish that I had known this in high school, is that it's not the most important part of your life. It's like Mm -hmm. not the most important season. Mm -hmm. Like I remember in high school and I I went to a very, um, like academically rigorous school. Mm -hmm. And so the, the message that was communicated was literally like, this is going to set the trajectory for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. The grades you get, the career path you choose, the colleges you get accepted to the scholarships. So it ended up feeling again as like 15, 16, 17 year old, like this is the most important thing that will ever happen in my life. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And I wish I knew that that is like blatantly false. Once I got in college, I was like, what? (laughs) I could just switch colleges. I could just switch majors. I could just switch careers. Like it's I literally, it's like a, a one form and I'm, <laughs> and I can switch this entire thing that, that high school told me was like immovable. Right. So I wish I knew that. Yeah. I think at, at the same time, um, while the message is like, Oh, high school is the most important time of your life. The other message is like high school doesn't matter. It's ah. just the prepping ground. And I think that's mm. the message that I was trying to like put words to is like, also, the present is the most important time of your life. Mm -hmm. And so like being Mm -hmm. present in high school is like, feels impossible because 
you're like thinking about who you're going to marry one day. And is it the guy in your class next to you? Or is it someone, you know, but it's like definitely someone you're going to meet before you graduate. I don't know. You know, like in high school, you are like, what am I going to do with my life? It's something that I'm going to choose right now, but it's all in the future. Mm. And so it's like, for me, I think what I would have wanted to know is I wish I had known that being present in high school doesn't mean planning for the future. Interesting. It means like being present. Cause I think we, we don't do that yeah. very well. No, that's school. really good. And I mean, to be honest, like that, like if you don't internalize that message, you will fight it for the rest of, yes. I mean, again, you think of anybody sort of who is, um, even in college, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you're, what you're actually thinking about is your career that yes. comes next. You're sort yeah. of in the beginning of your career. You're actually thinking about what position do you want to have? Mm-hmm. You're sort of in your career and you're thinking about what do I really want to do in retirement? Yeah. And you sort of create this pattern of always sacrificing the present for mm-hmm. some sort of future, something that's out there. Yeah. Um, and those compromises accumulate over time. Yeah. Yeah. And like thinking about the future, obviously useful, important. Yeah. Necessary. Uh, necessary. Um, but at the same time, yeah, going through high school and thinking like, okay, what am I learning here that maybe I won't apply to a career one day? Yeah. Um, who am I going to, who am I, you know, in someone's life who I don't have to be friends with them for the rest of my life. It doesn't yeah. have to be forever friendships, but I think about really meaningful, like Rachel and Adela were two friends who I haven't talked to in 10 years. I was going to say, who's yeah. Rachel and no, Adela? They're like two random people who were like really important in my life for a year. And that, that like, mm. that can be meaningful mm-hmm. without it having to be forever. I do think that I've observed that people that are really, that are able to live in the present and, and, uh, two people that I'm very close to that, I, that do this relatively well, my wife, Amy, and my mm-hmm. oldest son, Gabe, mm-hmm. is that they do sort of have this continual prior prioritization of things that they're doing. And they're as a perfectionist, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, if it's on my list, I need to do it a hundred percent. And they will literally be like, no, I just gotta, I just sort of have to get this done. I yeah. just like, this is not worth me spending extra time on while it might be necessary that's as much attention as I'm going to give it. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't engage that way in high school. I did everything. I was a straight A student. You know, um, I was in uh, like this honors choir. We literally toured to a different church every week and Mm -hmm. sang every Sunday. (laughs) You know, I was in band. I was in student government. uh, I was on the soccer team. Like I just like I did everything Mm -hmm. and I held down a part-time job. Like I just Mm -hmm. felt the need to do everything at a hundred percent. And so I literally had a headache for my entire senior year from lack of sleep. Yeah. And I think it's, it's one of those things where like, it's possible to engage in all of those things only if you're able to give them each the only the yeah. amount of energy they need yep. <laughs> and yep. not the, yeah, not the hundred hmm. percent. Yeah. It's a good one. So it's not, it's not only that it's, it's not that high school is the most important, but that like being present is the most important. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I'm writing mm-hmm. that down. <laughs> what would you say about hormones? Oh man. Um, I, yeah. Who, <laughs> um, I think for me, it's like realizing that what you feel is not always true. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and that's coming from a feeler. Yes. And that's coming from a feeler. Um, and that's something, even once the hormones settle words of wisdom for us all. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, especially, especially in middle school and high school feeling like everything feels big. 
everything yeah. feels big. The the good feels big, and this and the bad feels big, um, and what you feel isn't always true. So I'm gonna provide the counterpoint like you did to mine, which mm. is one of the things that I wish I had learned is that your feelings are trying to tell you something. Mm. I grew up just literally trying to ignore my feelings. Wow. Like, mm. I, like it doesn't matter if I'm tired or an uninterested okay. or whatever, like literally sort of my path is decided and I'm just, mm. I'm just going to do it. And it wasn't until literally like three years ago in therapy where m- my therapist said to me over and over and over again, your feelings are trying to tell you something mm. like, again, it's not the way I describe it is that like feelings are a starting line. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's not necessarily the absolute, but it is a place to start processing. And mm-hmm. since I just sort of like was like, ah, feelings aren't real. Uh, I, I wish that I had learned that much earlier on. Mm-hmm. It's like the little flashing lights on your dashboard. Like, yeah. you know, the check engine light, it's been on for, for years, but you have to still like look at it, yeah. pay attention, make sure it's not something serious. Yeah. So like, you know, it's this little light that says like, check this out. Yep. Give this some thought. Yep. Yeah. This is great. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Round three. Here we go. Next sparring yeah. debate. <laughs> What would you say? I mean, it's one of those things where both are true. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. Complicated. No, right. And I think that's the great part of this is the, the paradox of both of these things. It's mm-hmm. it, both sides. It's they're both true. Yeah. So can I say, so, oh, yeah, oh, I was going to say something else about hormones, but now I totally, I totally forgot it. Mm. Did you hear something? Yeah. There's a baby here. Oh, I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was a cat. I don't know. And oh, I was like, maybe it is a cat. Oh, no, it's no, a little a baby. kid. <laughs> Wait, who's here? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I thought we were alone. <laughs> Careful what you say. <laughs> okay, what was your last I, I don't remember. It was about okay. hormones, though, and I just absolutely can't mm. remember it. So, oh, well. Okay, if it comes back, then you could just blurt it out, no matter mm. what we're talking about. Got it. Um, what would you say about um, friendships? Mm. Yeah, Nate, you look like you have some thoughts. Uh, I'm not sure what they are. I just know that I have them. I have a okay. feeling I'm trying to uh, identify it. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll start then. Bring it. Um, yeah, I think um, a lot of times in, especially in high school, we put so much weight on friendships, um, which is because God created us for community, right? Yeah. Like he created us to lean on others, to grow together. That's why, you know, there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, so we like need other people, but I think between hormones and us thinking this is the most important times of our lives, those friendships then become our identity. Um, mm. and so if I were to talk to high school, Christine, I would say like, hold your friendships a little bit looser. Mm. Um, both giving them space to grow and change and even leave sometimes because that's healthy in certain seasons. Um, but also holding them looser in that, like, I'm not trying to like absorb them into my identity. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember actually in, we had a speaker in, in my high school and I remember this because it struck me so strongly. He said something like in five years, or maybe he said 10 years, your closest friends here in high school, there's a good chance that you will not be friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember literally feeling like Peter, when Jesus is like, you're all going to follow him. I'm like, even if I have to die, yeah, these will yeah. be my closest friends forever. You know, just, I felt that very, yeah. very strongly. And sure enough, man, 10 years on, it was like, we were Facebook acquaintances at best, yeah. you know, people that really, I was, I mean, close friends with, I had a tight circle of friends. We were at each other's houses all the time, spent all of our free time together. Um, and it's sort of like, yeah, no, that, that, w- that was for a season. And then, and then there was a new set. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing, right? Is those because those friendships feel so important and they like they are important in that season. Um, I had that same reaction where I was like every, you know, my siblings would be like, I'm the youngest of, of seven. Right. So like six siblings were telling me, yeah, yeah. oh, you're not going to be friends with these people. And I was like, well, I will make myself be friends with these people. <laughs> whatever it takes. Like, that's all, you know, you know, like I can do the work um, yeah. and and realizing like you could. There are people from high school who I'm still friends with and and it does take work but there are like better ways to use that work. Yeah. Sung, what was high school like for you? Yeah. Um, my parents moved a couple times. So I went to uh, a couple different high schools. Really? Which meant, and let me see, is this true for, yeah. All the high schools I went to, I was the only Asian kid in the entire high school. Man. So one was primarily white, almost all white. And then the other one was, um, a mix of a, a lot of Italians and a lot of blacks. Mm. So, and, and, and a lot of, uh, um, you know, you, you had all the little tribes the, the skateboarders, the, the metal heads. And, and so I, I think all throughout high school, I didn't fit in anywhere. Hmm. Um, and I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No one is surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was pretty much a loner through high school. Um, college was the, the opposite. I kind of found a group of friends. Uh, that's when I became a Christian. And it, I almost swung to the other side in terms of uh, the first couple of years, uh, uh, kind of immersing myself in community. So much so that my freshman year, um, my first semester in college, I, I flunked two classes. Wow. And it was... Uh, yeah, it you're, being too, you're being too social to do your homework, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, no, honestly, I was being too too social in in the uh, in the name of fellowship, mm. quote unquote, and it was my church group that um, Jesus made you fail two yes. classes. <laughs> Dang! And, and, and I start I start off in engineering, and I, I think the other part was just realizing I I just well maybe this is another thing too like in high school i was good in math and science mm. i thought oh, okay that's that's what i'm gonna do yeah. and then i get to college and go oh man like what i learned the whole year in chemistry i learned in like a month in, oh, in college yeah. and so it's just a whole nother level and so I, I think even just like your dreams that you have in high school um of what you want to be and do yeah you have to hold kind of lightly as well too because that's really good i mean I, honestly, in high school, because I was one of those really, especially my senior year, year of high school, I was a really angry pastor's kid. Mm. And I remember telling my dad, the last thing I'll ever be is a pastor. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right? yeah. And so I, I think even that with future, uh, kind of speaking into all, all that you two have been talking about is uh, it, it's good to have those dreams, but also you have to hold it with a light hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think in high school, you feel like you know everything, yeah, you right? Do. So you're sort of like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Like yeah. I've got it all figured out. And then as you, it, it, over the next couple of years, you suddenly realize like, oh, I'm still growing and developing as a person. I'm changing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing things in, in, and all of that is really, really, at least for me, it changed mm-hmm. a ton between mm-hmm. high school and now. Yeah. And I think with that, like, uh, it's almost, I feel like sometimes I had an advantage in that uh, I knew what I wanted to do, which was be an, a, an author. And mm. I also knew that that was not going to make me any money. And I didn't know what else I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and so I feel like that was almost an advantage because I went into every class just saying, like, 
how much mm. can I learn from this class? Mm. How much can I learn from the like how much can I learn from this extracurricular trying to just accumulate knowledge and skills? Mm. And I think that served me better than my friends who were like, I'm just going to do this one thing. Um, and then it wasn't until they decided they weren't going to do that thing that they opened their eyes yeah. to the other things. I mean, yeah, I, that's, that was, I mean, that was very wise of you at a very young age. <laughs> that's the truth of it because I, you know, my school, like high school is a small pond to begin with. Mm -hmm. My high school was small. So it was a mm. small pond of small ponds. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, my dad who, um, was, a uh, veteran veterinarian always sort of like was hard on the the math and science part of my high school because it was small and I was kind of mm -hmm. like oh no it's just that math and science aren't interesting you know whatever mm -hmm. and and the English department in our high school was amazing mm -hmm. so I started in high school feeling like oh you know again I want writer or I'm going to be yeah. like an English major or whatever um, and then when I got to high school and started taking college level science classes I was like oh Oh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like it like just realizing what my dad had sort of been saying that yeah. that you don't realize that you're in a small pond until you're not in it anymore. Mm -hmm. And had I been exposed to the sciences earlier on in a different context that may have actually that may have actually set my path different, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um so again, small pond, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Round four. Here we go. Okay. What else is All there? All right. So uh, things you wish you knew in high school about your parents. Mm. And to extrapolate more, you could talk about your journey as you've uh, grown through high school and beyond, how your view of your parents and your relationship with your parents have changed and evolved. Mm. It's a great question. My mom listens to this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Hi, Joni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, again, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I think especially thinking about my mom. Um, when I was in high school, I think Enneagram 2, I was like, I need to take care of my mom. I mm -hmm. need to, like, make sure she's, you know, happy and healthy and all of that. Um, and realizing high schoolers think we, you know, or think they like know everything and also are like better equipped to handle any situation than any adult could be because that's what we read. Um, mm -hmm. and so I was like, Oh, I'm better equipped to like Harry handle Potter. this stressor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like better equipped to handle this stressor and realizing like, Oh, actually like my mom could have handled more and she could have carried more than like I let her mm -hmm. in my life. Interesting. I think, uh, I think one of the things that I uh, observe, um, is that, well, I don't, I don't, rem I don't remember where this came from, but I sort of didn't consider the humanity of my parents mm. when I was in high school. You know, now that, I mean, Sung, you've said this at several, in several different episodes where we tend to judge, you know, other people on their motivations and on ourselves, on our actions. Right. And so like, I sort of would assume that my parents like, could have done better and they just weren't mm. right. Um, and then when I became a parent, 
you suddenly are like, I am, I am a really caring person. It's just that I have like all of this on my plate this week or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't have that framework in high school and I have a lot more compassion for my parents looking back than I did when I was a teenager, kind of Mm -hmm. thinking like, why aren't you like rising to the occasion and being the perfect parents that you know you should be. Mm -hmm. And then when you have your own kids, you realize you're essentially drowning 24 Mm seven. And it's like, if you can keep your head above water, we're counting that we're taking that W. (laughs) I mean, uh, so that's that has changed for me a lot having a lot more compassion on on mm. where they when i think of myself and i'm like oh this is how old my parents were like when my dad for example started his business mm. or mm. you know when they had um my youngest brother who's like mm. much much younger than i am just thinking like how would that rock my world right now <laughs> to suddenly like have a baby um i have a lot more compassion for them mm. now than i did in the moment yeah yeah i think compassion was like not like I had a lot of compassion for my mom I think maybe the thing that's been added is like respect Mm, interesting where I'm like oh yeah I was like I saw that she was in seminary working full-time raising kids Mm. still on crutches from her back injury you know like all of you know yeah teaching piano like all of these things which I was like oh I need to carry this but now I'm like oh she was doing all that and she was, she was really, she was doing great. Like (laughs) considering how much was on her plate as a single mom. So brief sidebar. Mm. Did your mom teach you to play piano? She did. And did you know Christine could play the piano? I don't know if I knew that. I did not. I Mm. played piano for our choir senior year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was Mm. the section leader for the Sopranos. I couldn't talk to Andrew. Yeah, no, right. I'm be on not. The worship team. No good. Uh, anyway, uh, I was going to say, like you were saying, to switch your subject a little bit. Um, <laughs> moving, moving away, moving uh, yeah. away from Christine playing piano on yeah. stage. Um, was that as as you were kind of joking about at the beginning? Like my mom taught me to play piano through like fifth grade, and I learned next to nothing because I refused mm-hmm. to listen to anything she said, even oh, though that was like man. what she did as her career at that point. Um, and then I like switched to learning from some stranger and I just like, I was like, oh my gosh, did you know mom that this and this and oh, this? And geez. she was like, yes, I taught you that. Oh, I was like, <laughs> so that was absolutely, but I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't learn from my mom. Yeah. I was just too sassy about it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you were a sassy high school kid. Only when it came to piano. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. That was like when mom, when mom thought she could teach me something that clearly I inherently knew like how long a quarter rest was supposed to be. (laughs) I was just furious. Um, Mm. Otherwise I think (laughs) I was fairly, uh, yeah, that was when, yeah, when mom thought she could teach me anything. Mm -hmm. Sung, why did your, why did your parents move uh, when you were in high school? Um, What was your family doing at that time? Well, it was in the same city, different neighborhoods. Um, and so one was, well, my, my parents actually owned a, uh, like a convenience slash grocery store. Okay. So we sold that. And then, um, um, why don't we move? Uh, he was, well, then we moved to, uh, cause my dad was pastoring a church. I see. Um, he, he started a church and then we decided to move back into, uh, move out of that area, mm. um, back to. Uh, a, a different area. So I, yeah. Right. Just a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons, but yeah. did, do I remember you saying you moved a lot in, in high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I lived in 
12 houses in my elementary, middle school, and high school days. <laughs> did you did you change high schools? I actually never changed high schools. Wow. That was, I, I went to, all of those schools were elementary and middle school. Okay. And then I went to one high school for four wow. years, which was I, good. I went to high school. I literally went to the same school, kindergarten through 12th oh, grade. My 13 word. years wow. with the same people in the same Jeez. building. Yeah, yeah. It was intense. Huh. Yeah, I don't think I could have taken that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying there were uh, like there were pros and cons. I what I've had to navigate in my adult life is largely the cons. I'm trying to teach myself mm. again to be thankful for mm. the pros. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So I was a kid that was that uh, thought I was smarter than my parents, mm-hmm. and um, I thought they were stupid. Mm. I thought they just didn't know how to handle life. All that. And then a strange thing happens as you get older. Wow. They, they get really smart yeah. mm-hmm. and, and really wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I remember it was my sophomore year in college. So this is af- post uh, peak rebellion period during my senior year, become a Christian my, soft- uh, my freshman year in college. It was during the summer of my sophomore year that I really missed my parents. Mm. Um, and I think that's the first time I realized like, oh, yeah, because uh, again, I, I had a, a pretty acrimonious uh, relationship with especially my dad during my high school years, the, the latter part of my high school years. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that that was a, a pretty big shift um, because I, honestly, I, I went to college because I wanted to get away from my parents. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so not, so neither of you, I mean, to what extent did you have that, um, um, you know, you couldn't learn from your mom because you were mm-hmm. sassy, but like, did you have any kind of anger, bitterness, resentment, or any other kind of like um, looking down on your parents growing up or? Uh, you know, uh, the way that the way that I tended to navigate my relationship with my parents was A of all to be good enough at, at everything that like. I never got in trouble. I was an absolute like rule follower, mm-hmm. high performer. Um, but then also sort of like I wanted, I decided to prove my smart, my like smarts through accomplishment. So I was never like outright rebellious, but I often thought to myself, I'm going to do this better than they ever did mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And that's, I mean, again, I quickly realized as an adult that just, that's not, that's not true. I mean, I think I think the the blessing of having parents who are pursuing Christ and trying to get healthier is that sort of like the family can be on a slow ascending cycle, mm-hmm. you know, towards healthier marriages and parenting relationships and relationship with God and all those things. So I think I I benefited um, from that, mm-hmm. but uh, but by and large, I sort of felt like I'm going to do this way better than they ever did. <laughs> but it wasn't outright rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I I feel like I had um yeah, aside from, I was thought I knew more and there are things where like I definitely thought like oh, you know, like my dad loves history and I love history. Mm-hmm. So in my history classes, I'd be like, "Did you know this this and this?" He'd be like, "I might have known that one at one one point, but I don't I didn't mm-hmm. remember it. That was really interesting." And I remember being like, "Oh, I'll never forget the things <laughs> I learned in high school." Um, which I I remember a good chunk of them, but you know, then I, I, I feel like I remember everything from high school and then I'll be talking to the teens. They'll be like, do you remember this? I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot about yeah. that. I have to go read my textbook again. <laughs> Literally <laughs> like trying to help my kids with math. I consider myself to be really like numbers smart mm-hmm. and I will look at their algebra two book and be like, I have no idea what this yeah. means. <laughs> like just none, none. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely there there was yeah there was some of the kind of like oh I would I'll never do this thing mm-hmm. that my parents did mm-hmm. yeah. I would never oh totally um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even things like even things like uh, my dad had a, a bit of a temper when I was growing up and I'd be like I'll mm-hmm. never lose my temper at my kids it's like, oh I mean <laughs> yeah. you, you, mm-hmm. you do absolutely yeah. you just yeah. those things are again I have a lot more mercy for them now than I than I did then where it's like oh yep yeah, no you, mm-hmm. those things happen mm-hmm. and unfortunately with parents. Um, and this will be kind of some upcoming episodes as we talk about young adulthood, but, um, yeah, we, like, I remember one time, well, before we got married, Amy and I, my, my dad pulled us into uh, his, uh, office at church and he said, Amy, do you know who you're marrying? (laughs) She's like, yeah. And, uh, my dad was like, and this is so my dad, when I was younger, he's like, I just want you to know two things about Sung. And she's like, okay, one, he's stubborn. <laughs> and then I was like, well, the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, right. And then he was like, and two, he's lazy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> do you still want to marry him? And Amy was like, yes, I do. Oh my God. And, and the funny thing is, and Amy, and I talk about this all the time. Like, um, I, I, I am stubborn as you know, right? Nate, I was going to say she was not at that point in your relationship. I doubt she was surprised to hear that you were stubborn. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the other part was true too, in the sense of like, I go to the extreme of like, my dad wasn't saying I'm just lazy, mm-hmm. but because I tend to overwork and just like, just strive, strive, strive. I, there are times when I'm just like, just, I, I swing the other way mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I want to do nothing for like days on end. Right. And, uh, um, and even then too, like even as a young adult and we're creeping into the next episode. So we're going to, I won't go too far into this, but, um, yeah, you, we, we continue to think we are wiser and smarter yeah. than our parents and, yeah. and don't give them proper respect or uh, like a listening ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The So I, I have a question, but before we get there, I want to say one other thing sort of on, on, on that note, um, which is that I, I wish that I had known in high school that your teen years are largely a time for observing, not deciding. Mm. I feel like I was, I was taught again, sort of like mm-hmm. this always looking forward, like you have to be making all these decisions. Mm-hmm. And as I've had teenagers and with sort of the benefit of hindsight, I feel like what I keep trying to impress on them is that this is a season to observe mm-hmm. and we learn and you don't need to decide. You don't need to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. You don't have to decide any of who you're going to marry. You don't have to decide any of these things. Right. But that doesn't mean that you just sort of like coast. It mm-hmm. means that you sort of actively and proactively observe. And so, Christine, when you said like, I didn't know what I how I was going to make money. So I tried to like take a I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had been that smart in high school. But I was sort of in this mindset of I need to make all of these decisions right now. Yeah. And I wish I had just sort of given myself the grace to uh, observe mm-hmm. what I liked, who I was, you know, what I was what I was good at. Um, and sort of engaged with those years that way. Yeah. That sounds like a good youth talk. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Well, I mean, because the thing is like you never, even, even though high school can feel overwhelming, you're never going to have less responsibility (laughs) than when you're in high school. (laughs) That is so true. If ever there was a time to observe, (laughs) like high school is the time. What do you got to do? Nothing. Brush your teeth. Like that's literally it. (laughs) My kids are going to be so mad. (laughs) 
<laughs> because because for them, life feels very intense. Yes. Yeah. And feels overwhelming. It's, it's mm-hmm. more intense than it has been up to that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that idea of like just observing, it makes me think of, so my senior year, this is going to connect, this story will connect to another thing I wish I had known earlier. But my senior year, I took a lit AP lit class with the best teacher in our high school. Um, and we called her Rana, which was her first name Scandalous. Um, in high school. It was like so cool. Um, but she only let seniors into her class all of it was a 2000 person high school. So most of our classes were mixed. Um, but this was seniors only. And, um, every, it was the hardest class I took all through high school. We had to write like 20 page papers, um, every month, which in high school was like so much, um, and like do assignments in between read two books a week. It was like crazy intense, but on Fridays we would have circle time and we would each talk about sit on the carpet like it was kindergarten and we would talk about like college applications or family mm. or like how are things going senior year and um every day we would have an observation journal where all we were supposed to do is write down things we were seeing hearing smelling that we like were just observing like things we were feeling that we wanted to remember not like planning ahead just observations in the present moment and Man, I'm like, oh, this was it was perfect for senior year. But I wish I had known Mm. earlier in my high school career that like working hard is is easier when you have like healthy, safe spaces (laughs) to do it. Like we worked harder than any other class, but we also took an hour every single week to just sit in a circle. Yeah. um, And that like both of those can exist and that. Yeah. Just observing the world around you is like an important part of growing. It really is. I I remember. So again, I went to a, a private conservative Christian high school, which again, th- there's a long, there's a strong lean in in at that time, and maybe in that sort of community of faith to have lots of things figured out, mm-hmm. and again, like decided, like yeah. you know, um, and and so I spent a lot of my high school years forming opinions on faith and things like that. Mm. And and when I, when I got to college, I took one of the most helpful classes that I've ever taken where our assignment every week was to read an article and summarize it. Not, mm. not what do you think of this? Mm. Tell me what the author is saying. And it was really the first time in my life where I was not being asked to form an opinion about what I was reading, mm. but literally just like, can you reflect someone else's thoughts? Mm. And man, I struggled with that and struggled with that and struggled with that. And then I remember there was like sort of this aha moment where it's like, you can observe without forming an opinion. Like mm. it, it blew my mind mm-hmm. because all through high school, the, the, the thing was like, I mean, again, like the first that was just pounded into us, it was like, always have a reason, you know, to defend mm. the, for a reason for the hope that you have. So it's like, there's gotta be all these reasons. It's like decision, 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 decision. And the ability to uh, observe and and understand mm-hmm. has been transformative in my life. I, I just wish I had done that earlier. Mm-hmm. But it, it that made me want to ask each of you, like what was your faith journey like when you were in high school? And are there mm. things that you wish you had known about faith? Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting, son, because your dad was a pastor, but you also were sort of like anti-faith mm. <laughs> at that season. So I'm just interested to hear what that was like for each of you. Yeah, do you want to kick us off, son? So faith growing up as a kid through elementary school, junior high, it was fine. It was just part of life. Yeah. 
Um, I think when I was going through kind of, uh, it, I, I, I think like most PKs, pastors, kids, uh, my view on faith was shaped by, uh, my dad being a pastor, mm-hmm. um, in, in good ways, uh, in the early years. And then in not so good ways in the later years, especially as our relationship got pretty rocky. And so I, you know, so growing up, well, behind the scenes, too, as a pastor's kid, being Asian, being the firstborn son, a lot of pressure, both academically, spiritually, and just even at church, people expecting you to be as good as your dad. Mm-hmm. And so there's this high pressure to be good. And I, I would have known to say it this way when I was younger, but being an, an, e- an Egram 8, mm-hmm. like trying to ask somebody to conform yeah. to something just doesn't work. Right. And so I didn't realize that about myself. I... I I would just push away against expectations and, and it just caused a lot of just drama and trauma, mm-hmm. uh, during the high school years. And I don't think I, so I thought faith was about just being good, mm-hmm. uh, putting on a show, um, that God was separated from Monday to Saturday. It was just on Sunday mm-hmm. and especially when other people were watching. And so, uh, really, so there was no journey there in terms of, just, well, it, the journey was that there was, just, there was no relationship with God. It was just duty mm-hmm. and ritual, and that's all it was. And as my relationship with my parents got really rocky, it, it, inside, I just kind of cast the whole thing aside. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that my dad said, and I think he recognized that too, he, he just said, hey, when you go off to college, just promise me you'll just keep going to church. And I just kind of inside rolled my eyes like, okay, fine, dad, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And I did. And, and that's where I became a Christian. It's mm-hmm. interesting that like your journey, uh, and again, not surprising for people that know you or for an Enneagram 8, your journey was sort of like away until you could find your own path yeah. to faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, I so in, in middle school, I was also a pastor's kid because my mom was a worship pastor when I was in middle school. And elementary but um in high school she was in seminary and so we jumped around for a lot of churches Mm. um and so i think in some ways it was hard because my parents were divorced so every other weekend i would go to one youth group but Mm. then every other weekend we were going to a you know sometimes which was i'm thankful for like sometimes a lutheran church sometimes a friend's church sometimes a catholic church sometimes baptist which is my roots um, and so I feel like I got a lot of faith community, but there weren't any like adults of faith other than my mom who I had in my life. Um, and I remember like asking, you know, one of my youth, youth leaders, I was like, Hey, Nicole from, from my mom's, uh, or for my dad's church. I was like, can we get coffee and like, just talk about some questions I have about the Bible? Um, and she did, which I'm thankful. And as an adult, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can see why she was surprised, but she mm-hmm. was kind of the whole time. She was like, what do you want from me? Kind of, you know, kind of like not sure. And I was like, I just want someone I can ask my questions, Yeah. which, so my faith journey was largely personal. Like it was me with my Bible and my prayer journal, just like trying to figure out what the Bible said Mm. Um, was like a a longing for community, which is a good part of like my calling now, but it was, yeah, it was personal me and God um, kind of outside of the context of, of the body of Christ. Interesting. And yours? Uh, I mean, and I know that I've shared this also in previous episodes, but like I I sort of lived in two worlds, right? Mm. My school was, was Baptist 
very very conservative uh, literally like no dancing no drinking no no playing cards like none wow. of that and then um and then my church and youth group were uh charismatic Mm. and and very much so this was like this was like the 90s when it's sort of like there was like the height of sort of uh of the charismatic movement in a lot of places in the united states and so i i really felt like sort of like whipsawed you know back and forth Mm. um and always felt like a little bit of an outsider in each camp because mm-hmm. because it was sort of like well you know when I'm in school I sort of have I, my weekends were so different from my Monday to Friday <laughs> for, from a faith perspective mm-hmm. um, that it just was uh, it was hard I mean and, and like I've said before the thing they had in common was legalism which like for me mm-hmm. was like it was like putting on a, a well worn slipper it was like oh great like now mm-hmm. there's just two lists that I need to per, you know do mm-hmm. perfectly mm-hmm. Um, and so I really drove myself uh in faith i mean i wouldn't even say that it was faith as much as it was like performing right Mm. really just trying to check all the boxes Mm. and that's something that um thankfully i've been able to sort of like find my way free from Mm -hmm. i think there are things that we need to obey in the bible obviously (laughs) but uh but to sort of nuance those in the context of a relationship has been really life-giving for me in my adulthood but that's what it was like and i I was very i was very sincere i mean there's no doubt that i was very very sincere but there wasn't really i didn't feel like there was anybody that was sort of i mean we didn't have a youth leader at my church mm. we I literally like oh this is actually an interesting part of the story we didn't have a youth so literally it was just mm. a bunch of us we got together every week for these extended like worship and prayer times and it was really just like the blind leading the blind <laughs> i mean i'm telling you right like we didn't yeah. know you know and so that i think um was complicating for a lot of different reasons and then the the voices of adults that I did have were, I mean, totally different. They were telling me to do something completely different. So Mm -hmm. again, sort of like this whipsaw and I was just like, well, I'll just do both, you know, like (laughs) I'll just just do both of these things. Um, and that, that, uh, that has, that caused, I mean, that just, that put me on a, on a path that I have had to sort of really let God heal to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I, learning that God cares less about what we do than who we are mm-hmm. is man, that, that lesson is still one that I have to tell myself almost every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally almost every day it's that ingrained that I wake up in the morning and have to remind myself that who I am and how I do things is like even yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yesterday I, my day, I didn't get anything done that was on my list. Mm-hmm. Not to say I didn't like work my butt off, you know, 10 hours straight. That, that happened, but none of my stuff got done. And I end the day feeling like a failure. Mm-hmm. And I sort of have to recalibrate again. Like, wait a minute. Like, how was I? Was I serving, like, um, with joy? Like, mm-hmm. was I kind? Was I compassionate? You know, um, the answer is no. Sorry, everybody <laughs> on the farm. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. That it was not me yesterday. But that, but I have to remind myself mm-hmm. that again, that I wake up this morning and remember like, oh, that's more important than what I get done. Mm-hmm. So that it's, um, I don't know that there was a, an easy way around that, to mm-hmm. be totally honest. I think part of that's just my own like learning journey. Mm-hmm. You know, like a perfectionist has to sort of learn the hard way. Um, but that was me. Mm-hmm. That's one one thing that stands out that I have a question about is um, because I didn't, again, like I didn't have like a, a really legalistic upbringing in, in that sense. Um, and, 
And yet I still struggle with, you know, there's, there's that idea that like, okay, so God has, has washed away our sins when we confess and we repent, we are made white as snow. Um, but I feel like a lot of times, especially for like people in my life who have grown up in more legalistic traditions, it's like, okay, but I still have to continue confessing and repenting the thing that God has washed white as snow. Like, did you feel that? Like, like even though you confessed oh, and repented, I, yeah. like your list never got smaller. Oh, no. Saved by grace, sanctified by works. Like 100%, <laughs> like 100%. That's how mm. I lived. Sort of like God loved me before I, before I was redeemed. And now that I'm redeemed, like everything else is on, is up to me mm. now, you know, absolutely. Mm. And I, I don't know, it's possible that that wasn't the only message being preached, but that yeah. certainly is the one that I That's internalized. The, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. I will say for those, uh, uh, who maybe have teenagers or students, uh, that, uh, grew up like, or, or are li- kind of engaging their faith the way I did in high school, which was they're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Two things that really stick out to me as I look back. One was, and this is like a certain time period, they used to hand out in Sunday school these little like, um, almost, almost like small graphic novels mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. Jesus and Paul. Mm-hmm. I, that was the only thing that I would get engaged in. I would mm-hmm. read it. And while I don't remember like the the stories or whatever, I remember that was the, the, the only thing that kind of uh, got me drawn into the stories of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I stuck that, that still is a very significant impression on me during my high school years. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one thing in church that they passed out that I actually was interested in. The other thing too was uh, we didn't have a large youth group. And so it was like basically myself and some, some relatives, cousins and, and a couple of kids. And uh, so high school was pretty lonely, not only, th- not only because I felt like my parents were never around, but uh, there was one set of Sunday school teachers, Chip and Sue. He was in the military, like a sergeant or something. And mm-hmm. and she uh, stayed at home, um, mixed marriage. She was Korean. He was white. And the only thing I remember, they would teach our Sunday school class. I don't remember anything he said, but the, only, the thing I do remember is the feeling of he wanted to hang out with us. Mm-hmm. They both want to hang out yeah. with us. Mm-hmm. So outside of church, they'd be like, hey, you guys want to do this? Um, and, and so sometimes it'd be me and just a couple of kids, we would just hang out and looking back that those two things were just like significant markers, uh, during the season when I just felt totally dead spiritually, mm-hmm. totally unengaged. There were little sparks, right? That little resource that kind of, cause I, I collected comic books. And so it, it kind of intersected with an area of interest for me and then just, relationship mm-hmm. of adults of people who just I sensed cared about me. Yeah. My wife had the exact same experience in high school. Not, not that she was disinterested in faith in any way, but mm-hmm. her youth leaders mm-hmm. w- w- stayed a, a source of, of guidance and mm-hmm. like an, and like safe adults into our early marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, they did our premarital counseling and we, and they had kids before we did. So we went to them for parenting advice and all those things. It's, it is helpful to, to, um, allow other adults to speak into your kid's life, especially if uh, it feels like they're not listening, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, earlier I mentioned like, oh, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that in my life. And um, I think the other thing, and this is something, you know, why I do well in Ann Arbor is a lot of times we think like, oh, well, you know, you have to get started. Like you have to get plugged in 
early and it has to be middle through through high, middle school through high school or whatever. Um, but like my senior year, I got plugged into a church um, and I just remember I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a senior. Like it's probably like mm. I only have one year here. They're probably not going to, you know, for six years, I haven't been accepted at this other church where, you know, I was only there every other week. But like instantly they like brought me in and I like still, yeah, I still talk to um like Eric just emailed me. He was the youth pastor there and was like, Hey, I saw you're a youth pastor. That's oh. great. You know, and like we, I still connect with Mary, his wife, like more regularly. And, and I think, yeah, I, it feels at least for me, like sometimes like, Oh, it's not, it's, there's only one semester left. There's only one year left, but like there isn't actually a too late for community. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't like a too short of a time um, to get plugged in and to get connected. Cause that was like, yeah, that was my first experience of like real Christian community. And I still think about that when I'm like deciding how to lead the youth group. Mm. I think about the way that Eric and Mary loved us. Um, and, and yeah, the, the way that the, the other seniors, you know, poured out. So we have been talking for almost an hour at this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of lessons uh, from high school, right? So that's for you high school kids or youth leaders who feel like does what anything I say or do make a difference or parents of teenagers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we will see you next week as we move on from our high school years Mm. into young adulthood. 